I learned a lot and like the, all the kids over there, are like inches apart, like the passing super close. You have to be super aggressive. So that brought, brought my riding to like a next level of like racecraft and aggression in the, in the same category there. Episode 155, Tank Slap and Podcast. Big interview pod today. This one's been, we've been teasing it for a long time. Finally doing it. Getting Ty Scott on the podcast. It's going to be a good one. Ty Scott, I, I know him as Tyler, but the Moto America scene, they call him Ty Scott. So getting him on the podcast, man, it's going to be a good interview. Other side, my co-host, Eric Hartley. How are you, dude? No, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, no, I've been excited for this one for a while. Um, he's, uh, a bit, a bit of polarizing individual, but, uh, I think it'll be good to pull back some of the, uh, the curtain, so to speak, and get to know, uh, who Tyler is, uh, from a grassroots level. And I think, uh, it'll be good for everyone to hear him. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, man. He's, uh, well, he's, he's still a kid. Like, I, I don't know how exactly yeah. how old he is. I mean, you think he's like 17 he was, or 18, right? 17. He was born in 05. So yeah. Okay. So he's. Evan was born in 07 and he's 15. So yeah, he's 17, 18 years old. He's, he's still a kid essentially. So, uh, but with that being said, man, he's, he's been around the world racing, road racing. He grew up just shredding a flat track bike, you know, at the youth level, multi, multiple time youth flat track rider of the year for, for the whole AMA. I mean, he's done, he's an exceptional talent. I mean, there aren't, aren't many other riders out there who has the talent level of this kid. And he is dicey, very dicey. And I'm interested to get under his helmet a little bit and, and talk to him because he doesn't really, he kind of keeps to himself for like an 18 year old kid. He's, he doesn't post a ton on social media. He's kind of just all business, so to speak. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good, man. We did a couple couple things online social media that we're going to go over here uh prior to getting tyler on and and maybe after as well i want to give a shout out to mission foods title sponsor of the podcast too fast too tasty we appreciate everything they do for the sport if you can go out buy some mission foods products support them the products are excellent we we roll with the chips pretty much every race we go to we have a, a bag of chips in our hauler and uh yeah it's you can't go wrong with mission foods also want to give a shout out to Moto America. The season finale is coming up. New Jersey Motorsports Park next weekend. Come check it out. If you can't be there, subscribe to their Live Plus package. Catch all the action online. And I want to give a shout out to Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. 19-inch 19-inch and 17-inch flat track tires. Road racing, moto, woods riding. Their, their new mud tires and for moto are incredible. And yeah, appreciate everything Dunlop's doing for the sport. Uh, what do we want to go over first, Eric? I mean, we got to... We had a bunch of questions that were there's no way we're going to fit them all in on this podcast. We'll probably have to do a separate pod where we yeah. just kind of go over fan questions, but we can touch upon some of the stuff, right? Yeah, we can. We can definitely talk about how, uh, you know, the cat's out of the bag that AFT is switching over to Supermoto and doing uh, races in downtown Sturgis now. You want to go ahead and talk about that? Yeah, I saw that. I, I so the super TT thing, man. Like that, that actually in Daytona, that that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. Uh, but but uh, yeah, there was some footage of I think it was Brian Smith riding someone's flat. Yeah, it looked it like Dawson Smith. Schiefer's uh, 
flat track bike. Dawson's actually, he's a, he's from Sturgis. He's a really good kid. He's a fast, he was an yeah, AFT he's, rider. He's awesome. and yeah. Nice kid. Really nice family. And yeah, B Smith is, uh, they're testing. It looked like they were testing to have a, like a supermoto race kind of in downtown Sturgis. And I don't know. I thought it looked stupid, but I, people are going to just assume I'm just being negative, but I, I just think there's a time and place for, for shit. And I just, I don't know, man. I mean, there you have the chip, which the chip was awesome. It was such a yeah. fun race. And, and actually we, we, before we go too farther into this, what we're going to cover here before we bring Tyler on is I interviewed, well, not interviewed, but I, I took a poll. I think it was 24 racers, uh, twins and singles. And I asked all of them what their top favorite track was this year, what their worst favorite track was this year, or their least favorite and which track they want to bring back that wasn't on the schedule this year. And I asked them to rate the track prep from one to 10. So we have some really good answers. We'll go over that in a minute, but yeah, I mean, the, you have the chip and Sturgis, you have rapid city, which is normally a really great racetrack. I'm not sure why they did a day race. Well, they said because everyone needed to get to the Leonard Skinner concert, which I thought was <laughs> funny, but I don't know, man. It, it's, I don't, I don't make, the calls on on that stuff and it doesn't i don't let it uh, ruin my day or affect me too much but it was uh pretty entertaining to see him kind of scooting around on a <laughs> in downtown sturgis i i get the idea but it's not really our it's not really the sport like you know it's dirt, yeah, track. It's dirt track and uh from a safety standpoint uh i just looked at the curbs like yeah <laughs> and then what are they going to do put uh, airbags out Okay, so I, yeah, I I don't know. Um, I've been wrong before, but first glance, and there's a part of me that's almost like I wonder if AFT is sitting here thinking, "God damn it, Sturgis, why did you post that video?" Like, I'm sure they wanted to keep it under wraps. But if you go and read the comments, there's like a, a transparency page from the city of Sturgis, like concerned citizens, and they like called the city out for paying AFT eleven thousand dollars to come do that test. So I want to know, and I mean, you can go and look it up. I want to know where that eleven thousand dollars went. You know, so I don't know. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Whatever. I, I we we don't have a schedule yet, so we're kind of waiting waiting around to see what the schedule is going to look like. But yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, we'll move along. I want to go over these kind of results, man. I I reached out to as many riders as I could. Um, and you reached out to a couple as well. And we have a really good mix of, of riders and I'm going to keep their, their answers anonymous for who said what some of them, they were like, yeah, you just, just say that I said it. I'm like, well, I'll just keep everything kind of anonymous. But you know, some of the riders that I interviewed, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to run through them quick. I have, uh, Jared Meese, JD beach, Chad coach, Trevor Bruner, Trent Lowe, Jared Lowe, Bronson, Breyer, Michael Hill, Cody Kopp, Mishler, Dallas, Zabala, Hunter Bauer, Declan Bender, James Ott, Casey Sisko, Colby Carlisle, Dalton Gauthier, Max Whale, Davis Fisher, Tom Drain, Jared Vanderkoo, Vanderkooey, Fanakoy, Bruce Evans, Ben Lau, Ryan Wells. So we got a good, a good group of of riders that we reached out to um i said i was gonna keep it anonymous but i just giving you guys just the general like we reached out to some some privateers some factory riders twins singles and i sent you the info eric anything stand out in your eyes that kind of shocked you and i'm working yes. on i'm gonna have amber put together a graphic like a 
so and and we're gonna po- post these on our social media. But okay. yeah, what's what stood out from you, man? Uh, so first and foremost, the one that shocked me the most uh, for top tracks because I've just been so public on how and also the the data related to attendance and amount of people that showed up was poor uh but i've been hard on it but everybody seemed to really like the west virginia track and i was i'm dumbfounded that that was number two on on the list um yeah that that's the one that really like shocked me and i was like oh that one that that's cool you know they brought out a new track this year and uh, the writers uh, seem to really enjoy it. So kudos to West Virginia. Yeah, and we basically, we asked the riders, pick your top five tracks. And if they said number one was Lima, then uh, Lima got five points. If it was their fifth favorite track, it got one point. So we did a point scale on these tracks. And yeah, Lima was number one. Lima had 50 points. Uh, a lot of riders choose Lima as their favorite. And then we went down to West Virginia was number two with 41 points. Springfield mile was number three, Eric. And that kind of shocked me a little bit because it was honestly, it was a shithole the first day. Um, And a few riders said, you know, Springfield day one or Springfield day two, they specified it, but I just combined like the double headers, Daytona, Springfield. I just, I think it's, uh, yeah, the the granddaddy of them all. You just got to lump it together as a, as a singular event. And I wonder if the importance of it being the last race of the year, so many points going up for grabs, the storylines, if that didn't play into it, I know as a fan of the sport, um, you know, definitely day one left a little to be desired in terms of like what they were racing on, but it was still just an incredible event. So I wonder if some riders just were able to look past that and say as a whole, that was a special weekend. Yeah. And I didn't give them too many, like, something specific on why or what i just said you know what was yeah. your favorite track this year it could have been they like the concession stand best i don't know or honestly <laughs> a lot of these racers they're biased on how they finish right so understandable yeah so a lot of these riders i mean cody cop he had some really interesting answers i won't i won't say exactly what what his answers were but his his were really interesting um but yeah springfield was number three Sonoya, Georgia was number four. Peoria T Peoria TT was number five. The coin had 24 points, number six. Ventura was 23 points. And I'm, I'm not going to run all the points. Like we'll include the graphic on our social pages in, in coming days. Um, one of the riders, they had Ventura number two prior to the main. And then they had yeah. v- Ventura on their worst track in the main event. They were specific. They had it their favorite prior to the main. And in the main, it was their least favorite. So I thought that was interesting. And and Ventura as well, it was it's like number seven on everyone's favorite track. It got quite a quite a few votes for favorite, but it was also number four on the least favorite. So a lot of riders either hated or loved Ventura. Well, if you go back, you remember they brought in uh, you know, dirt for that. And um, when they weren't showing drone footage uh, of the beach, they were also talking about how they were struggling with uh, the that the track prep and, you know, wondering why when they throw down water on rock, it's not getting tackier, you know. So 
I think, um, who, which, cause I don't even know whichever writer talked about pre-main versus post-main, there was definitely uh, a stark difference. So it was a twins writer. Yeah, it was a twins okay. writer. I won't, yeah. I, I told him I'd keep it anonymous, but yeah, it was a twins yeah. writer. None of them seemed to give a fuck if I, if I kept it anonymous or not, but, uh, <laughs> After Ventura for top tracks, it was Daytona, Red Mile, Bridgeport, Dallas, Dallas Half Mile, Sack Mile, Arizona TT, Black Hills, Middletown. So, like for instance, for for reference, Middletown had two votes for favorite track. It had nine points. Castle Rock, and then three tracks at the bottom. I specifically told them AFT tracks. This is what we're working with people with flat track professionals. They gave me Mount Pleasant. Callahan, which I, I'm not going to argue Callahan. I, I fuck with that. That's cool. And Pekin. Pekin Short Track had a vote as the top AFT track this year. <laughs> so these fucking guys are idiots. Um, yes, yeah, so that was the top tracks. Worst favorite track. Worst track, least favorite, Eric, Arizona TT. There were a lot of riders who had that as their least favorite. And that one also bums me out because uh, I I dug the 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 dual jumps. Um, I know it got single file and it was in the day and it was in Chandler out in the middle of fucking nowhere. I if I were to look at this, I would put Arizona as the track and event that left the most on the table, the one that could have been so much more than it was. It had the capability. Um, you know, I look back what was in 2018 or 2019 when they ran out there before. Um, I liked that track more. Um, and then if uh, if I'm not mistaking this, they're also selling off all that land, so there is not going to be an Arizona TT out there anymore. So that was it. So all these folks that didn't like it, well, you know, you're good. But I was gonna get your opinion on it because if you look at it, like I like I said, I just felt like it was a track that left a lot to be desired. Do you think that it was a track that could have been more? Yeah, I mean, it just goes the planning and the whole day race thing and and TTs, man. Like we have we have two TTs for least favorite tracks in the top five. So for whatever reason, TTs just lately they haven't made for good racing. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's something we look at where we're doing where we're doing split lanes or you know they did the first round of the World Super Motocross Championship was this weekend and they had a split lane start. They had a couple split lanes. I mean, maybe that's something we look at to make these TTs better to pass on. I mean, it's single file. It's so again, keeping it with an, you know, anonymous, we have riders that have very uh, well-rounded TT backgrounds. We have specialists. I would be interested to see what those folks thought about the TTs that were on the schedule because kudos to AFT for having more uh, TTs this year, more disciplines. You know, you really got to test out if you're going to be a professional rider, you've got to be good at all disciplines with flat track. But yeah, I'd be interested to see what the JDs and the, you know, the Chad coast and the, you know, JL tens, what those guys all kind of thought about the, the package that was presented. Yeah. I will say JDs, top three favorite tracks were not TTs. So I won't oh, cool. spill the beans, but he's the TT guy. And yeah. his top, his top three favorite tracks were, were ovals. So, um, so yeah, Arizona TT had for the, for the least favorite tracks, I only gave them the opportunity to pick three. So the Arizona TT has 63 points uh, for the worst track. 
Middletown was second with 49 points. I thought Middletown was by far the worst track, worst facility. I thought it was a shithole. So that's that's the CTEX vote. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Middletown sucked, I thought. I, I, I heard we're going back, which I that facility, dude, it was janky. Um, and then Black Hills, man, Black Hills was third as the worst track and and it's the day race thing because you put black hills yeah i bet if i interviewed all these riders last year when it was a night race i bet black hills would be top three favorite uh, thanks after, a lot leonard skinner yeah after it rained um so black hills ventura castle rock was fifth sacramento mile was sixth daytona short track bridgeport dallas half mile west virginia peoria the coin Springfield and Lima got a vote as the worst track, which I was shocked on that, but yeah, I think like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it comes down to rider preference as well. Like there's a lot yeah. of riders who don't love cushions that probably. So just- I lo- like, I think you, you hit it on the head earlier when you talked about balancing it with uh riders finishes and I'm a data nerd. So uh, when Amber goes and makes this all uh, awesome, we should look at the points, how they stack up compared to how riders finished. Cause I, how does somebody not like Lima that thing? I fucking threw my leg off in the outer fucking space. And that's the greatest track I've ever ridden. I mean, and trying to I'm find who stuff. trying to find out who said Lima. I think I have an idea. Lynch. Um, uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a twins rider. <laughs> yeah, I found it. I found it. Should I lynch him? I said I'd keep it anonymous, but I don't think. Oh no, yeah. We'll keep it anonymous. We got to have integrity here at some, at some stage. <laughs> All right. Well, but his name rhymes with, though. his name rhymes <laughs> with Schmeichel Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, Right. I mean, we know he doesn't <laughs> like cushions, so we'll, we'll accept that, but yeah, it, it wasn't his, it wasn't his least favorite, but it was on his list. So anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to, uh, we got two more here quick. We'll go over them. We'll bring Tyler on, but what track do we bring back? Number one, OKC mile. It was yes. above and beyond everyone's favorite it had 38 points. I gave everybody two options here. So it was either their first choice or their second choice. OKC mile had 38 points. That would be my number one. I think Um, I agree with the people. I thought OKC mile, you know, the track, the, the crowd walking out between the grandstands underneath the, you know, the people with music, the whole vibe and atmosphere, how challenging the track is. It's brutally hot. It's just a really unique and really cool racetrack. The cushion mile. Well, as long as they don't uh, bring back the berm. Wasn't that Bruner that uh, ran into the fucking berm on day one? Yeah, on day I, I don't mind the berm. Uh, the berm <sighs> at Minnesota mile was sketchier the way they had that berm. But OKC mile, you have they have to scrape. Like they have to scrape all the dirt off or it would be a fucking beach. <laughs> it would be unrideable. So I like, I mean, I don't mind the berm. I think you got to make it. Like the OKC berm is, it's not as sketchy. Like it's not as tall as what the the Minnesota Minnesota Mile berm was, but but I feel you. I mean, it was that track. It's just such a good track to race on. There's a lot of facilities alone. Like if you're going to a race and you're a spectator, like that's a facility that's going to get you out of your seat. And as much as we like the 
you know, the viewership on fans choice or whichever streaming platform has this that, that year, but like get like getting into like an OKC or, I mean, to a certain extent, Springfield mile. Yeah. Like that's a professional facility and it's, it, OKC is just phenomenal. So if you've never been, if we bring it yeah, back, y'all yeah. gotta go. Yeah. I mean, I don't honestly love driving there. I don't, I don't love <laughs> Oklahoma. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's not as bad as Illinois. Like I don't mind Oklahoma, <laughs> but <laughs> there's actually a meme. I, I just saw a meme about us talking shit on Illinois and I think it's funny. I'm just going to play to it. Illinois is not that bad. I just like to like to give my Illinois buddy well, shit. But, south of I-80, Cook County, y'all can be your own state. Yeah. That's what yeah. So OKC was number one. Port Royal was number two, which Port Royal was, I think, better than Bridgeport. But like, let's, okay, let's do so Port Royal and Bridgeport. I wanted to ask this. And, you know, I did ask a writer that uh, also brought up Port Royal. And I hope this isn't the case, but do you think that, you know, unfortunately what happened with Brian is a reason why we'll never go back or it'll be a long time before we go back. Do you think that plays into it at all? To where? Weedsport? No, Port Royal. Well, that happened at Weedsport, so. Oh, that, that yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. That, yeah, yeah, I Weedsport. mean, I think that. Because that, that was that on plays... my list is Weedsport. Nah, Weedsport sucked, honestly. That that tracks. I mean, I, I won it twice, and I, I think it sucks. I mean, it's the shape really? of it. Oh, yeah, it's... it's just, I mean, the facility's okay, but the track is just very mid. I mean, it's there's nothing exciting about Weedsport. I mean, it had some decent racing, but Fort Royal was was way better, I thought, than... Really? Okay. Yeah, Weedsport kind of sucked. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that plays into it a little bit, but not 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 completely, but, yeah, I think a little bit. And then... Number three was Charlotte. Number four was Springfield TT. Number five was Dixie Speedway, Woodstock, Georgia, the the short track, which I I really like that track. That track's really, really cool. Um, Wouldn't mind to see that back on the schedule. Then it was Williams Grove, Joliet, which I've heard rumors we might be back back at Joliet next year. Volusia, Minnesota Mile had two votes. Hagerstown had two votes, which I thought Hagerstown would be a lot higher up, but... um, I-70 had two votes, which that place sucked, I thought. I mean, it was it sucked when it was dry and it sucked when it rained. Uh, I don't I, I didn't think there was anything anything great about that track. Uh Meadowlands Mile had a couple votes. I think that's just like the atmosphere and New York yeah. City skyline in the back. I mean, that the vibe of that's Meadowlands cool. is is cool, but the track kind of sucks. Uh Pomona half mile, which is an amazing track. I don't even know if it still exists, but Pomona Half Mile got a vote. Cedar Lake got a vote, which I thought Cedar Lake was rad. You could go back there for sure. Indy Mile got a vote, which I think that's limestone now. I think they totally changed the surface. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta Super TT got a vote, which I highly doubt that's going to happen again. I think the risk to reward on the cost, totally, they probably lost tons of money going to Atlanta. And Vernon Downs in New York got a vote. I haven't heard that that name in a while. I don't even know if that track still exists, but that got a vote. So, again, we'll put all this info up on our social media page here in the next, I don't know, whenever we get time to do it. And then I asked them all, I asked all the riders to rate track prep from 1 to 10, and I'll go through the list real quick. 7, 6, 7.5, 4.7, 6.5, 8.5 was the highest, 7, 5, 
7775 6.69 <laughs> silly guys number 4 4 was the lowest and 7 so i think generally if i did the average it'd probably be 6 to 7 which and i think on. that's on par that's with yeah, flat fair. trackers in general we're always going to bitch about the track um but i don't yeah I think track prep was an improve. It wasn't a. It was a big improvement over last year, but I also don't yeah. think that's saying much because last year was probably the worst year we've ever had with tracks that I've raced. I was a pro for seventeen years, and last year we had so many shithole race tracks. Where this year it was definitely better. So, kudos on the on the improvement, yeah. but. Man, I could I could dive into those figures for another four fucking hours. I like, know we could keep talking about <laughs> it, but we'll we'll get some info up on the social sites and we'll let you guys discuss accordingly. Accordingly, but I appreciate all the riders for getting back to me and those who uh, participated in that. I think it's cool, man. I think it's cool data for the fans to look at and the riders. And yeah, it was just a really cool so thing. It took a lot of when time. We, um, <laughs> when we post this uh, uh, to social media, uh, Everyone listening, make sure you uh, let us know what you think uh, in the comments. And also go look up on AFT's website. They post all of the attendance and um, viewership data, market share, all that stuff. And if there's a track out there that you really liked this year, go and see how it did. And, you know, see if you're doing what you can to support that track. If there's a track out there that you hated, again, go and look and see how it did. And, you know, let that inform, you know, or, uh, you know, sway if maybe. Maybe not your opinion of a track. It's uh, good data out there, and I'm glad that AFT started being a little bit more transparent with and transparent with that stuff. So definitely go hunt all that down as we as we post all this stuff. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, let's move on, dude. Let's get our guest on the podcast. I've known I've known him for a really long time. I actually <clears throat> saw an old picture of him recently. And the clothing line I started, the file odds, I was I was one of his first sponsors. We used to we used to send him some some shirts and stuff. And he's come a long way in his career. And I'm excited. It's just, it's just getting started. Tyler Scott on the line. What's good, man? How are you? Hey, how's it going? How are you? I'm well, man. Thanks for coming on, dude. It's we've uh we've teased the fans for a long time about you coming on and and they're excited, dude. I got one quick question for you. Is it Tyler or Ty Scott, man? I'm I'm falling behind on like what you prefer. Uh, I, it's changed a lot over the years, but uh, a lot of people are going to uh, Ty Scott now. I like it, man. Okay, I can roll with Ty Scott. That's when I watched the live plus package on Moto America, the announcers, they call you Ty Scott. So yeah, we'll roll with that, dude. But yeah, let's get started, man. There's there's a lot to chat about. Um, I do want to talk kind of about your your start. Obviously, your your dad is Mike Scott, who was a really, really fast dirt tracker, national number. I don't know his stats, you know, all of his stats, but I know he was from talking to other riders during that time frame. He was really like an under, uh, underrated rider and, and really fast. What uh talk about your start into racing a little bit because I think that's really unique and important to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I was little, like before I could even walk, my dad had me on a, a little uh mini bike. So we would a couple times a week we'd he'd put me uh, on the gas tank and ride me around the, the property that we have. Um I currently live in PA, um, Amaze, Pennsylvania. I have my whole life and 
Um, when I was super little, he'd ride me around on a little 50 mini bike, uh, um, a bunch. And then when I was big enough, I got on a, a Honda 50 and, you know, just kept moving up the levels. And um, I liked it right away when I was little, which which definitely helps. And um, I was always so stoked about getting on the bike and go, going to ride. And I think the training wheels were only on for about two hours before I was almost flipping going through the corners. Tyler, so this is Eric. Uh, so again, another question about your childhood. Growing up in uh, PA, you know, you started to get a little traction and, but you started to move around. And um, if I'm not mistaken, you were homeschooled there for a little bit. Um, do you, when, I mean, I know you say you're from PA, but do you consider yourself uh, like a PA native and um, kind of, I guess just kind of walk me through that, what that's like to kind of be homeschooled, to travel all around the country and, uh, you know, to race motorcycles at such a young age. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I consider myself a, a PA person growing up uh, racing flat track. Uh, Pennsylvania was probably one of the most competitive states to live in for flat track. Um, probably next to uh, Illinois, a lot of fast kids out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, PA's uh creating some of the the fastest and the the up and coming fast uh, flat track riders to this day and um I actually I, I was in school um all the way almost to the end of middle school and then obviously I, I was involved in the road racing now and that was kind of the beginning of it where we had to travel overseas for a Red Bull sponsorship and um Spanish series over there so I couldn't be in school but I, I continue to do school on the computer and, and uh that's what I continue to do now every day I'm okay. in 12th 12th grade now so this is my last year awesome awesome what is that like man like when do you fit in your your school like with training and riding I mean I'm sure when you go to these Moto America races you're not really you're not doing schoolwork the morning of a race right so what, how do you juggle that and what's your schedule kind of like? Uh, yeah, my school now is actually pretty relaxed, especially this year being my last year. Like this quarter, I have one, one core class and then three electives. So in a day I can, I can get my school done within an hour or two. And then I'll usually work ahead a couple of days and, um, I have to log in every day, which takes like two seconds. I could do it on my phone. So like this morning I did today's and tomorrow's. So I just log in tomorrow and just have, I have the whole day free to train. And if I'm, if I'm working for my dad or doing some stuff around the house, I, I have time to do that. Like school now, now school isn't that big of a, a, a time consuming thing in my life. So yeah, yeah that's crazy to hear. Um, you know, there's so many kids out there that are making that transition to do uh, online schooling. And so to kind of hear the the ebb and flow of how. Yeah. So for me as a father, it's just insane to to hear that. So kudos to you and your family for for making that work. But um, so let's go back to kind of your your start of um, your flat tracking day. So you you briefly mentioned that you started off on your on on the 50s. Did you do the standard 50, 65, 85 all, all the way up? Was that kind of the the march that you did? Yeah, yeah. So I went from the little Yamaha 50 to a 
KTM SX. And then from there, I went to uh, Cali 65, KTM 85. And then from there on out, I sticked with uh, KTMs all the way up to 450s. Yeah, that's, it's kind of crazy, right? Cause you, you sort of missed the whole Strider Stasic era. Um, that was like kind of right after you. I mean, you, I mean, I remember you riding a PW, remember you riding, riding the KTM. And for those listening, uh, Tyler and, uh, Mike, Mike Scott, they own Scott power sports in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. So that's, they have Hondas and KTM, um, etc but yeah i mean you sort of miss the stasic that era of of that what are your thoughts on on all that right now um and i don't know did you do mini cup man like i think maybe you did the first year mini cup i mean it's kind of crazy how accessible riding and racing is for kids at such a young age yeah the the, the stasics now are really cool I, I wish i had them as a kid um i had a power wheel like four wheeler then like a bicycle. So I was always on a bicycle usually, but the Stasics now I think are really cool. And, um, yeah, I, I think they're really good to learn like the, how to ride like a motorcycle. Um, and obviously riding a bicycle is important too for like the coordination, but I really wish, uh, I had the, a thing like the Stasic when I was little. Did you do the Ovali too, or did you miss that kind of, I forget. I, I'm, I miss that. So what I, I grew up uh, with New Jersey main GP with uh, Ryan Fleming and um, Nathan Granoff up there, but I, I missed the whole Ovali stage that, that kind of came in after I got on big bikes on big road bikes. Um, but yeah. we, we had our like mini cup nationals where they were, where they would tie the two tracks at New Jersey together. And it'd be like a big national track that we would do once a year. So being known as a multidiscipline uh, rider, is road racing and flat track the the main two in your life? Or do you have experience doing moto or super moto or any other, you know, like trail or anything like that? Uh, I, I have experience doing everything. Um, if we're talking yeah. racing wise, it, it would just yeah, be yeah, flat racing. track road race. I did a hair scramble once when I was on 65 but I, I train pretty frequently on a on a moto bike, whether it's trail riding or actually going to a motocross track. Um, usually in the off season, and I uh, I ride a supermoto a lot on the off season as well. At what point did you? Because I know, I mean, you grew up racing flat track, and you sort of started like you you mentioned you ride the mini GP, and I saw you at some of those events. Like I grew up kind of doing some mini GP stuff with with uh, with those guys as well, but. At what point did you decide you wanted to be a road racer when you, when you quote unquote grow up, like, was it ever in the cards for you to be a pro flat tracker or did you pretty much always kind of want to go road racing? I mean, how did that, at what point did you kind of make that decision or did you know? Yeah. So like when I was, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a pro flat tracker and um, when I was about seven, eight, we went to uh, New Jersey Motorsports Park, actually where the, the final round is going to be this year in two weeks. And we, we were going just to watch, to walk around. And they always have the uh, the stunt demos there in the middle of the paddock. And we were walking around and there there was this, uh, there was this uh, stunt or uh, demo exhibition thing. 
uh, that this group was running and it was a bunch of like uh, kids on mini bikes with slicks, like dragging their knees and stuff. And it turned out to be New Jersey main GP. And I'm like, I, I wanted to do it right away. So we got a Sierra 50 and put some knee pucks on the leathers and went up there. And I just, I, I came accustomed to liking road racing more right away um, when I started doing it, just because of the track time that I had. It's flat track, you go out, you do, even if it's 10 laps, it's only, might only be, I don't know, five minutes. And when I, yeah. when I went up there, like every session was 15, 20 minutes. And I, I grew to like road racing a little bit more just because the time on the bike and the track time. But I, I always tried to do, for a long time, we, we tried to do flat track and road racing like 50-50 and fight for championships in both. Still, it got to a point where I had to make make a, make a decision. Did I want to go flat tracking? Did I want to go road racing? And there was a lot of factors that, that weighed in in that conversation. But I ended up wanting to do the, the road racing. It was because you got to be on a video game, wasn't it? That was that's what made the decision for you is that you got to be on the video game. That right? no, that was, but that was <laughs> that was actually really cool getting the opportunity to go race for Red Bull and actually being on the video game. That was really cool. Yeah, I, I, a little bit backstory. Backstory when I started to get into motorcycle racing a little bit more, you know, you go and pick up the video games and you just you do everything. And I can remember the first time I met you, I think it was at uh, Traveler's Rest. Uh, and uh, I was still pretty new into it. And I had had that game and I went home and I was like, wait a minute, I fucking just met that kid. So it was that was pretty cool. I got to I got to give a tip of the cap to that one. But um, yeah, so, you know, kind of walk us through uh, these these. Um, you know, last few years of um, doing the road racing, um, kind of earning your uh, your stripes in in that scene. You've started to have some success in it, um, you know, and then, you know, going into, I believe it was, uh, was it last year? Was it, it was last year, I think it was, when you did the um, uh, winter throwdown. And then, uh, yeah, so I kind of wanted to uh, just talk a little bit about that winter throwdown. Um, Corey, I don't know if you had anything to add into that, but it kind of put you back on the map, so to speak, when you were punting pros off the track and just not really giving credence to kind of the old guard of, hey, you're, you know, you're an established pro, you're, you're, you're here to win. And um, yeah, so what do you think of that throwdown? Was that 22 that you, you did that? Uh, yeah, that was 22, I do believe. But yeah, that was one of the the last times on a flat track bike for me. I haven't been on the flat track bike for quite a while now. But that 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 weekend um, is really, really, really exciting. And um, I can confidently say that's the most fun that I've had on a flat track bike ever, um, especially battling with the top pros at the time, Jared Mees and uh, Briar and Cody now that won the championship this year and I I uh we, we made the decision to go and I had to get back on the bike and remember how to do it like a couple <laughs> weeks before we went down to Johnny Lewis's house and put in a few laps and I felt pretty good and um the first night it was like super deep and it the track was perfect I I, I loved it I the I just felt great on the bike and I had so much fun battling with those guys again and I just wanted to put it out there that I could still I could still win and beat the the pro guys in flat track even though that 
I'm in road racing now and I don't really touch the flat track bike much. I can still get back into it with, with like a little bit of prep and I could still be a, a top guy. And in the future that there, there might be uh there might be a chance in the next year that I might come out and do a surprise round possibly, but we'll have to see for that. Yeah, it was, it was an exciting, I I loved having you part, part of the event. Cause I mean, it got so much attention, right? Cause you were, you were really dicey and, and you were dicey with Jared and Briar guys that are really established. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was like the memes and everything. It was, it was so, it was so good for my event. And I did my, my one V one racing at the throwdown this year. And I, I was hoping you'd be able to ride, but you, uh, you have some other obligations now with your road racing team and that, you know, you weren't, you weren't able to do it, but that, that sort of confidence, right. That you have racing against guys like Jared Meese and Briar Bauman. Do you think that that's come from your time overseas? Like, excuse me, like you've raced the, the Red Bull MotoGP rookies cup, and that is a cutthroat like series. Um, and you've done, you've done a bunch of races overseas. I think you've done some CEV stuff. You've done, um, oh man, I, I don't remember everything you've done. I, but you've done, you've done a bunch of races overseas. Like, is that a confidence builder going over there and racing those riders over the pond? Uh, yeah. You know, like I was aggressive too. When I was, when I was a kid growing up flat track and road race, but going over there was like, like a whole new learning experience, you know, like, over there, there's 60 kids that are just as fast as me and, and way faster, you know. So the the whole trip over there was actually quite a struggle to get the results that we want and never really got the results that I wanted just because the level of the competition is so much higher than um, here in America. And But it, it was such a big learning experience. I learned I learned a lot and like the, all the kids over there, are like inches apart, like the passing super close, you have to be super aggressive. So that brought, brought my riding to like a next level of like racecraft and aggression in the, in the same category there. And I, I think it was, it, it may not have brought the results and like, I, I may not have won the races or been on the podium, but um, the experience that I learned over there were far more valuable than like, staying over here and winning like CCS races. And definitely one of the the takeaways that a lot of people have with, you know, Tyler Scott, the racer is, you know, he's real Cindy, you know, definitely aggressive, but you don't really ever lose your cool. And um, is that something that you've kind of developed over the years? Did you used to like lose your head and temper over everything? Or is it just kind of like, you know, how you were raised and then maybe going overseas? Kind of talk about how um, you're able to kind of just keep all that internal and you, you don't ever really see uh, an emotion, you know, come out. Yeah, like when when I was little, like I, I think there was one time where I slipped up about the bike and I said something bad about the bike when me and my dad were at like a local race and it, the the deal kind of was like if you if you make a big deal about it like we pack up and go home like no questions asked so i've always like been really good to adapt to a, a crappy bike setup or when things aren't going quite right like we'll, we'll work through it as a team and um you know like we'll, we'll uh we'll move past this like and not, not create a big deal about some problems that are 
maybe yeah. maybe they're super big maybe they're small like like I, i've just been raised to just ride through the problems or work through the problems and do the best that you can and just work forward as a team and like obviously sometimes you have to like not complain a little bit but like show the priorities of the, like the problems and stuff like when i like now on the factory team like yeah we, we have some problems and um like i, I like we, we work through it. Like we have problems every time we go out, whether it's set up or like a little bit of the bike or electrical or something breaking, but you know, it's part of racing and we will work through it as a team and it'll get better and better as the races go on. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth between road racing and flat track, but I mean, that's, that's basically your life, right? <laughs> In a nutshell, going back yeah. and forth. So um, I did want to talk before we move on to some current stuff, um, kind of like, who were some of your mini bike rivals growing up in flat track and maybe even road racing a little bit? I mean, who were the, I mean, dude, you're, you're probably one of the fastest kids I've ever seen on a 50 CC. Um, and I, that goes for 65s, 85s, but when it comes to fifties and say, I mean, even, yeah, I mean, dude, little bikes in general, you were incredible watching, uh, ride those bikes, but you had some good rivalries over the years and then even kind of like your horizon award year for dirt track. And you, you, you sort of battled guys like Sadhoff and Cody cop. And was there anybody else kind of you, you rivaled and what was that like? I mean, how was that relationship like? And, and how did you kind of handle that, that rivalry at such a young age? Yeah. So I, I grew up racing with like uh, Logan McGrain was like the, the kid I raced, like we were going back and forth as kids and, um, Doug Cook on the 65s, I remember, and Aiden Rusevens. Now he's in AFT again. I know he went to to cars a little bit, but he grew up on bikes. And um, Chase Adoff always like going to the amateur nationals. Like we always were like, yeah, it, it's going to be Chase. And I battled with him for many years, even the last year where we were battling for the Horizon Award. And um, that that whole program was kind of thrown together, and the our stock bike was our supermoto the supermoto bike that i train on kind of converted over so the bike didn't quite work right but i was really happy that i was able to compete and win races against them and be competitive without riding a bike for over six months and just going there and competing at the top of the amateur level then later being able to compete at like the pro level at Corey's race and even even i uh, did the one pro race and was battling for the win you know and um, unfortunately got together with Chase and then the, the clutch, I thought the bike was spinning all night, but the, the clutch was going out. So like on the, on the start of the main, the bike barely moved and, um, that was kind of, kind of sucked cause it was my kind of one-off, uh, pro race at the time. And I, I thought I could have won the race, but you know, um, I grew up with, I, I always had competition growing up. Obviously there was a few years where it was less than others, but definitely the amateur nationals was like the highlight of every year being able to compete like at the top of my amateur level. Yeah. So to speak about the, uh, the rivalry with chase um, and kind of the, <laughs> how that race ended up when you guys got tangled up together um, have you guys had an opportunity to kind of smooth that out or are you guys still fierce rivals? Uh, I, I don't, we haven't really talked 
I wouldn't really say fierce rivals, but, um, you know, if I, I if I come back next time, we'll we'll definitely go at it again. We'll we'll have some good battles for sure. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities with, uh, you know, kind of the the riding between you and uh, you and Chasey Bear. So it's almost kind of like when you guys get into each other. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are both both running for the same uh, square inch of dirt. So it's uh, it's entertaining as a fan to watch for sure. Yeah, uh, Tyler, I wanted to kind of go on a little bit and and talk a little bit about um, kind of what you're doing. I mean, you're you're road racing now. You you mentioned you're not you're not on a flat track bike pretty much at all, which um, it's crazy actually. Just kind of doing your the road racing thing. But do you watch any of the AFT stuff still? I mean, do you keep up with it and? What were your thoughts kind of on the season, especially like the singles class, Cody Cop, he won another title. Uh, what are your thoughts on on like the 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 series as like total, like the total series and like the riders? Yeah, I really haven't watched many of the races this year. I've just kind of like looked at the highlights and I hear a lot of stuff from people. Obviously, a really fast kid near me, Braden Fanders, um, is a, a, I think he's going pro maybe next year. I think he's ready to go next year then um adam constant with uh ron wood at his as his dad he's also up and coming he's really fast just got on the 250s a little bit ago and um i really haven't watched many of the aft races this year but i i hear the the singles is really competitive and even when i did my race that the singles class is so big and so competitive i think that's really good for the sport and just growing as a rider and I haven't gotten to race any of the twins guys with a twin, but um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really competitive paddock. So one thing that I would, uh, there's on my notes of things to ask is, you know, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, Tyler, you're very kind of quiet, even keel, don't show a lot of emotion, uh, can, can be known to be aggressive, but in control. Um, for people that don't quite know who you are, are they don't know your family they only see what they you know or they perceive to see online what's something that you would tell those folks about who tyler is as a person um you know you kind of obviously it's no secret i would say in the uh, in the flat track world you've got a respectable kind of bad boy uh, um you know persona about you but if there was one thing that you could say uh, to those people is uh, it, what would that be? Kind of walk us through how you would uh, say, well, this is who I actually am. Yeah. So grew up on a farm, like always hardworking. Like uh, a lot of people just think like, I know, I know some people think like, I, I like just go to the gym, you know, do my school. And, but no, I, I, I like, I do a lot of stuff around the house, chop wood, shovel dirt, you know, I, I, I train really, really hard. Like, even even like in some years where championships were a bit easy, like nothing nothing's ever like given or taken for granted. And especially when I went over to see overseas, like there there's always gonna be someone faster. So even if I'm pushing pushing the wind, like I'll push a little bit more because there's always someone faster and I always gotta be working harder and harder and harder for the next person that I'm gonna come across and I'm gonna battle for wins races and championships for but um yeah like just no, nothing's ever ever given and um i have to work hard for every moment that i have 
So to piggyback on that, what um, what do you, you know, do for you, fun, man? You play video yeah, games. That's you, what I was. You that's go funny. Bowling. That's what I was I mean, going to ask. <laughs> what do you do that's not motorcycle related? Um, yeah, I don't really play video games. I actually turned on the Xbox last night and played a little bit. But I, uh, I, I like to go to the gym in the off season a lot. But during the summer, I, I love to be on a mountain bike. I just got a new mountain bike after my one big win this season, and um. Basically, basically mountain biking and fishing. I, I like to fish sometimes. Are you like any any uh, like group chats with people? Like you talking to girls? Like what is, uh, is Tyler Scott like a normal high school kid at times? Uh, I have I have a few buddies that I hang out with, and um, I've had girlfriends, you know. And right now I don't, but yeah, I I have a few buddies that I like to train with, and a few people I like to hang out. But um, I, I have my select people, you know. What, who was your kind of racing hero growing up? I mean, that's a broad question, but who was, who was your top rider? Who did you have a poster above your bed? Like of what rider did you kind of look up to? Uh, definitely Nikki Hayden. Um, he grew up flat tracking. He went to the road racing, won the world championship. And I, I think I, I continue to, and I always have looked up to him in many ways. And, um, yeah, he he's definitely my racing hero and someone that I like strive to be like, and hopefully one day I I hope I make it overseas and have a shot at at the world championship. So what um to go back to Tyler Scott the uh the high schooler what uh what was the last music that you played when you were at the gym what what kind of music does Tyler Scott listen to? I I listen to a variety of music. It could be. It could be rap, it could be country, it could be some Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande or something. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a yeah, it's a variety. Like I could go to the the gym and go from Luke Bryant to Eminem. You know, that's good. Yeah, I definitely wanted to uh, ask some questions that kind of pull back the veil and allow people to connect with you outside of the racing. Cause I think that's one thing that riders, uh, you know, definitely could do a little bit more is, you know, show that human side, um, to it. So to go off that, like how on the road racing side and, you know, professional motorsports, are your teams constantly pushing you to do a lot on social media or is that more internal where, you know, like I, I'm a, I'm a brand, uh, you know, I've got to kind of push my own storyline here, but how important is uh, social media over in the road racing side for you as an up and comer? Uh, yeah, it's definitely important. The team doesn't really push it. I, I, I do, I do a good amount of social media. I could definitely do some more and like training wise, they don't really push me because I'm doing the the right stuff and I'm getting the results. Um, if I wasn't a top three rider and if I wasn't winning races, I, I think they'd definitely be a lot harder on me. But okay. um, based on my performance, I think that they're, they're a little bit easy on me. And um, I'm training every day and I'm doing my social media posts and getting my name out there as best as I can. And I, I think um, I'm doing my best. What's the, you know, last, it, it's no, well, people that watch Moto America, you've been racing super sport for the last two years. And last year you had some battles with Josh Heron, um, on the Ducati. And then this year, Chavi Flores is on, on that team and that bike. So talk about the difference in racing somebody like Josh and somebody like Chavi, um, and a little bit like your relationship with both of them. Cause I know you and Josh had some pretty, pretty heated battles. 
Um, Chavi seems pretty mild. Like he doesn't, he's not as, um, his personality is not as strong as Heron, but yeah, talk about racing them too and your relationship with uh, both those riders. Yeah. Racing, racing Josh was definitely fun. We had some good battles, um, but you know, like he, he just did some stuff in some of the races that I didn't think were quite uh professional or like showed good racecraft or like how to ride a bike, like, like safely in a battle, you know? And obviously he's uh he just won in Texas and he's a super fast rider and great rider. I think he just loses his head sometimes. And, in some moments, like if I put a close pass on him, then he might get a little sporadic and do a crazy move back, you know, and I'm fine with that. It's just uh, racing someone like Chavi Flores this year. He's world championship racer. He does endurance racing overseas. And it, it reminded me a lot of racing in Spain where the, where the racing was a lot closer and the racing, the racing quality was better just, more passes very like really close nothing was like super over exaggerated you know like everything was like you you get the pass done and you move on with the race it felt like some of the races with joss were kind of like drug on and like just kind of like messing with each other but racing with chave this year was definitely um i preferred it a lot more just because we were at a faster pace this year and I, I think the the quality of our battles were a lot better. All right. So obviously we talked about it earlier. This is, you know, a flat track pod, but we definitely do jump over to road racing. So I'll ask a question that kind of goes into both. Um, and this could be historical, current, whatever you're on, but what are your two favorite uh, bikes from the two disciplines, either bikes that you looked up to grow, uh, looked up to growing up or bikes you've ridden. Um, what are, what is your favorite road race bike and your favorite flat track bike? Um, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Like I always wanted to ride a twin on flat track and I haven't gotten to do that just yet. Um, at, at some point I, I will hop on a twin and do some laps here and there. But the, the most fun that I've had on flat track was on my 450 at that Corey's race. Like, hands down, that was yeah. the best race yeah. that I've ever had. And in road race, um, there's there's a lot of bikes that I would I would like to race. Obviously, it'd be really cool to ride, like, just like one of them 500 two-strokes just to see what the guys rode back then, do a few laps on one of them. And, like, a, a Moto2 bike, I, they sound they sound so cool to me. And obviously the moto gp bikes are wicked and the super bikes here in america and there, there's a lot of bikes that i, I would like okay. to try and race and be in the world championship with and i don't think there's there's one or one or two bikes that i can exactly say like this is the coolest bike because as teams keep developing like obviously there's historical bikes and then there's the current like spaceships of super bikes you know all right who do we have to talk to for you to race winter throwdown in a few months? Who's who do I have to call? Do I got to call John, Chris? I mean, which, which, uh, who's, who, what's the chances of you riding winter throwdown and, and who do I have to call? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Cause right now we don't have a, I don't have a high interest in battling in flat track. And right now the goal is just to kind of focus on, on next next year winning championship in super sport and then following year moving to super bike okay um 
I, I'm not exactly sure that the chances are very, very low for, for now. <laughs> I like um, the honesty. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love there, it. There, there probably would be a higher chance in like a year or two when, when I kind of get my position more figured out and just have a little bit more stronger base to stand on, maybe with the Super Sports Championship under my belt might give me That's a fair. little bit more a little bit more freedom, you know, to hop back on the flat track bike, train on it a little bit, you know, do one or two races here and see how that goes. But as of right now, I'm just focusing on keeping my conditioning strength and focus on the road racing. That's good. There you go. Um, there you go, Corey. He has no interest in you. Whatsoever. That's fine. No, I mean, at, at <laughs> least maybe like the one versus one, like I would love to see you in the one V one, but no, I get it, man. I, I yeah. get it. It's all good. But, it's all good. But I definitely in the future will am hoping to make a surprise appearance at a pro race at a, at a race like the winter throwdown where the competition's really high with a lot of pros. I'm not saying that I want to step away from the flat track bike, but right now I'm focusing on the road racing and yeah. um, I want to make a surprise appearance. So is it you, hard to, you know, a lot of oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got yeah. one. I got one. I, I got, <laughs> I'll forget. Uh, is it, um, how hard is it to transition back and forth? Like one week? Cause I mean, obviously Cruz, he's, he's road racing, he's flat tracking and, you know, the, the form is different, right? Road racing, you're, you're on the, you're on the edge of the sea. You kind of, you stick your knee out, obviously you do things way different than you do on the flat track bike. Is it hard, especially at a younger age? Was it hard going back and forth? I mean, did you find yourself doing bad habits in one or the other where you jumped on the road race bike and you might, you know, you might not be, have the right form or, or vice versa. I mean, is it hard to transition? Uh, for me, it really wasn't because I did it so frequently. So I, I would flip-flop so frequently. So I'd go road racing this weekend, flat track the next weekend. But a as I uh, got older and started to shy away from like the flat track side of things, going like six months without being on a flat track bike and then going back to just do one race was like the hard part. Just getting used to the muscle memory again took a little bit longer, you know? So like now if I were to get on a flat track bike, like it would take longer than it would if I went weekend to weekend flipping back and forth. It's definitely easier to flip back and forth weekend to weekend because everything's fresh from the previous weekend of whatever bike that you were on. And now that I've been on the road race for so long and I obviously ride like small dirt bikes, like 150Fs and stuff, but it's not the same as being on a full blown 450. So, you know, you know, what is lucky for you, Corey, is now that I'm allowed to speak, uh, that question actually uh, flowed into what I was going to ask. So it, All right, it works I like out it. just fine. Um, that was a so, big fuck Tyler, you, Eric, so, that me cutting you that off. Was. That was like a big fuck you. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. All right. I'm, I'm out of my <laughs> cave now. OK, so Tyler, so if you had to pick. Um, you know, obviously a lot of road racers, when they come back into flat track, they get this like, oh, I'm a TT guy or, you know, if you had to pick, would it be a TT or would you hop on a, a bike and go rip the Springfield mile? What what do you have the most interest in uh, discipline wise? Uh, definitely uh, TT and deep cushion. Like oh, I, I feel I feel like I could be competitive for the podium or the win. Maybe not now, but maybe like a year ago when I was more on a flat track bike. Um, I remember talking to some people about this. It, it was like, I could show up to a, I feel like I could show up to a TT 
or deep cushion and top three. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I, yeah, I mean, growing up, you were always kind of, you always kind of used your throttle to to steer the bike. Kind of, I was trying to think of how I was going to word it, but yeah, you were more kind of a cushion guy. But you're not bad on clay tracks. I mean, you've always rode clay tracks well too. So, um, I just think cushions are way more fun. Just you, so fun. you don't, you don't have to wait to pass people. If you're faster, you just go. <laughs> Where like, yeah single file groove tracks. I mean, we're all, we're all pretty decent on, on them kind of racetracks. Like I've won a lot of single file tracks, but I, I don't like racing them because if you get a bad start, it's, it's just so much more effort to, to get where you need to be. Um, so no, I, I like that question. Um, we got a couple, couple more for you. I wanted to talk about your teammates. You got Teague Hobbs is your super sport teammate. And then on the super bikes, you have Brandon Posh and Richie Escalante. Do you guys, are you guys all cool? Do you have good relationships with your teammates? And do you guys share info between all three of you? Uh, Yeah, for the most part. Like usually like last year and this year, I, I don't really talk to, to Teague or when Sam was on the team. I didn't, I didn't really talk to them. They're kind of more like, like rivals than teammates to me. Um. But but this year, uh, like in a weekend, like me and Teague talk maybe once or twice. But I, I enjoy talking to to Richie and Brandon about the the superbike program, um, because th that's where I want to be in a few years. Um, either like a year or two, I want to be on the superbike for sure. And it's just interesting to listen to them about how the superbike works and just kind of preparing myself. And they're also taking some big steps in development with uh, Chris Ulrich, which is really exciting to see. And uh, just talking to them about stuff on the track and how the super bike's working. And I talk about how my bike's working and we kind of just talk about setup and stuff. And they've given me good advice and good tips. And it's just kind of learning from them, even though I'm not in the same class. All right, Tyler, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. So what does success look like for you as a racer when your career is all said and done if you're looking back what have you accomplished to uh that would allow you to sit on your throne your couch whatever and just be happy with what you've accomplished um obviously like i, I want to that's a pretty big question um I, I, as a rider personally i i like being able to be consistent and be consistently at the front and not just have like a sporadic win and like a mm -hmm. sixth place. Like I like to be very consistent at the front. I think that's really important year to year, just like for the teams to see. And for myself, it, it's really important to have a consistently good setup and to be able to set up the bike consistently good at different tracks. But obviously like the, the end goal years from now, like I, I would like to go back overseas maybe and, be competitive okay. in GP or Moto Two or something. Awesome! I yeah, got one so, for you. Would you rather? Go. Would you rather make a million dollars a year salary to ride a bagger, or a hundred thousand dollars a year salary to ride a super bike? <laughs> um, think about it. It's a big money difference. Yeah. Honestly, it it depends where I am at. In my career, it is a big money difference. Um, and if I could, I, I would try to do both. Um, <laughs> Superbike and the bagger, like uh, like kind of what Bobby Fong does now. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about that question for a while. And but would right you now, would you ride the bagger to the track and then race it, or you know that <laughs> those motors are so on the edge and strung out? I think I'll let the team take it on the truck and just <laughs> conserve my hours with it on the track. All right, so. I like it. How um how is riding for for Team Hammer and Suzuki M M four? I mean that's. It's one of the most established teams in the in the whole paddock, man. And you know, how's that how's that relationship been? And what's uh yeah, I mean, what what are the vibes like on the on that team? You know, it, that, that team's amazing. Like from day one, I've had a really good connection with everyone on the team. Chris and John giving me the opportunity last year to hop up on the super spike, super sport bike, and um everyone on the team has a has a great vibe. It's always exciting to be in the garage, whether whether you're talking about bikes or just hanging out, like yeah, the whole team has a very positive vibe and we, we have fun too, you know, like it, it's not always serious at the race. Like I, it's really enjoyable to be around everyone that's on the team, even the super bike side of things. Like I talked to some of the super bike guys and we, we all communicate, we all have fun. And when we need to be serious, everyone does a amazing job at what, what they're there to do. And the team performs very well and, works very well with each other all right tyler i asked the hard-hitting journalist questions here so this is a big one all right who would you who do you see yourself going out to have a beer with more cody or chase who are you going to have a beer with when you're old enough um i i, I don't know i'd probably probably go with chase Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Write that even, down. Write even, that down. Even though that uh, I've had rivalries with both, like I, I think Chase having a sit down, like a beer and conversation with Chase would be uh, the the easier one to go with. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, Cody sucks. Fuck that guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, dude, it's it's good that you have rivalries. Honestly, I mean, it's uh, I mean, racing, it's. It, you know, yeah, it's cool to like, you know, respect your peers. And, and and I think you do, like, I don't think you have a disrespect for them, but at the same time, when everybody's friends, it kind of takes away from what we're doing as, you know, warriors, gladiators out there on the bike. I mean, you're, you're training day in and day out. I don't think people that the people that don't train as many hours as we're, we're working toward, and they just lose sight of like, why, why do they have a rivalry? It's like, dude, they're, both competing, working their asses off, risking, you know, everything to beat one another. They're not, you're not racing yourself. You're racing other people. So the fact that you have those rivalries or anybody does, it's, it's good. It shows passion and it, it shows you care about your job and, and everything you put into it. And I also think Tyler too, like I've noticed with you, you don't show any emotion like the other way. Like if guys kind of, they have a problem with you, you sort of just say like, whatever. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, where, where did you kind of learn that? I think that's underrated your ability to kind of just shake it off and just move on and kind of do your thing. Yeah. I have always kind of had that. I, I'm not exactly sure where it came from. Um, sort of maybe the thing about not to like complain about the, like the bikes and stuff, just always kind of having like a, like a calm attitude towards things. And I, I don't really have problem with like 
people like themselves, like the rivalry, the rivalry, the rivalries that I have are like on track based. Like I respect like the, the, all the behind the scenes of like others, other riders training and working towards when you get there on the weekend. Like I don't have a problem with anyone of like how they do things, just, just maybe some battles on the track and stuff and just wanting to beat each other. But I don't ever wish anything like bad on anyone or I don't ever like, I don't know, like behind the scenes, like every, everyone's putting in a hundred percent effort. It's just on track rival rivalries, like out of the paddock too, maybe a little bit, but like they're, they're respected. Yeah. I like that. Uh, last question for you, man. Um, if you could give advice to any young riders coming up, whether it's flat track, um, maybe like the mini cup kids. Cause I run the mini cup series. Um, and a lot of these kids, they're, they're 10, 11 years old and all their mind is focused on is, you know, they want to go to Spain. They want to go overseas. Um, from your experiences right now for, let's just say like the young road racers, what advice would you give them on quote unquote, making it in the sport and what that means? Yeah. So I, I have like, it's kind of nice now. I have like two sides of it. So like before I went overseas, I, I won a lot, like most of the races I went to and kind of what humbled me is like always just knowing that there's going to be someone faster. So even if you are the, at the top of what you're doing now, um, always push yourself that, that little bit further because down, down the line, there's always going to be someone a little bit faster and it's, it's good to push yourself in the current, before you get like overwhelmed and if you're getting beat by this one rider or even if you go to a different championship and there's a ton of riders that are faster it's really easy to get that in your head and get overwhelmed and i think it's really important if you if you're winning in what you're doing now to keep pushing yourself to be better for when you do come across faster riders and faster competition and if you're not currently like winning now if you're kind of like stuck or if you're if you're little further down the pack trust me i've i've been there overseas like not not making races and stuff um it's always important just to try and filter that out which is really really hard it was for me and uh always keep pushing and eventually the results are will come like it, it's not going to be overnight unfortunately but if you keep pushing and keep working at stuff keep training in the gym to 105% of what you can do and you keep focusing on the track and focusing on the bike setup like it, it'll eventually come around for you i love it that's solid advice man dude this has been a really good interview we bounced around a lot but there's so much good info to uh to take away from this uh interview man i really appreciate you coming on dude and yeah it's been a long time coming man so thanks again for taking the time yeah no no problem i, I had a really great time talking to you guys today and i really enjoyed it Thank you. All right, Tyler. We'll take care, buddy. And uh, we're rooting for you. I'll see you in Jersey in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you. See you there. Yep. See you, buddy. Oh, that was good, dude. That was a good one, Eric. I uh, I loved every 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 bit of that that interview. That was solid, dude. He's he's a dude. He's he's very focused for how young he is on on what he wants to do. He is a machine. He is, uh, wow, yeah, no, he is laser focused. And, you know, we give a lot of younger kids a hard time for not being a, a kid, right? But, like, you still sometimes got to sit back, at, you know, and marvel at what some of these younger riders are able to do. Like, 
Jesus Christ, I look back and think what I was doing at their age and just, it's, it's awesome. So, you know, to be able to speak with uh, Tyler and learn how laser focused he is, that's, that's awesome. I wish him nothing but success. Yeah. And dude, for reference, everybody listening, it took me forever to even quote unquote, get it. Um, I wish I had, I wish I, you know, knew what I know now at, at the ages that these kids are starting to figure it out. I just, I just, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's to the progression of the mentality with, with these riders and, and even like somebody like Evan, like I work with Evan and he just turned 16 and just, man, how focused. And, you know, we just got done a bicycle ride before we came on the podcast and I give him a hard time because he can't, can't hang a lot of times, but it's like, dude, when I was 16, I, I was like kind of fat and I didn't do anything. <laughs> like I just fucked around. So it's, it's crazy to hear the focus and focus and dedication for, for riders like, like Tyler. And honestly, man, I mean, if there's anybody that that's going to make it overseas in our sport, you know, I might get some, some flack for this, but it's somebody with like Tyler with that mindset. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the riders they're talented, but it's that mindset that you need to race over overseas. Um, that I've noticed, you know, I've, I've never gone over there, but it's that, that no excuse mentality and not looking for the easy route and, you know, that, that's does, what, uh, that's what is special about riders like Tyler. So are you, does Canada count as over the pond for you? Cause you got to go over the great <laughs> I've never been out of the country in my life and I'm going to Canada in a couple of days. So I'm pretty excited just to visit another country. Like, I didn't know if they drive on the other side of the road. Like, oh my God. if I, if I go into Canada and I have to go like switch lanes, that would probably would have fucked me. But, uh, no, you drive on the same side of the road. I found out, so yeah. that's that's cool. Oh, I, I, I was. I gotta, do they take money up there? Like, do they? Take yeah, money? they do. And sometimes, like, I was drunk one time at St. John's, or maybe it was Halifax, and all I had on me was a five dollar bill for like another round or whatever. And they just they took the U.S. currency. They're like, yeah, it's close enough, whatever. So, oh, um, yeah, I don't even. The closer you get money. down to the the border, the more. Uh, do they take credit cards? What? Do they take credit cards over there? Yeah, and they have internet too. No, I mean, will they take my credit card? I'm serious. Like, I yeah, no, they will. It does. Um, I because when I was living overseas, uh, it hits you with like a like a uh, like a transaction fee. But as long as you tell your bank, like, yo, I'm going overseas, you just run it as a credit card, and it it takes it. Trust me, I've, I've, huh. I've spent way too much money in other countries. So. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even think about all that. I uh I've been dude, I've been busy. I've been poorly planning this this trip. My bike's ready. My bike's going to be good. <laughs> so That's what matters. Yeah, That's what yeah. Matters. Um it's like whenever I leave to go to uh, like the races and I'm thinking of everything I needed to bring, I just like reverse it. I'm I'm like, "All right, I got my helmet, I got my boots, That's I got my cool. leathers. That's everything else I I have my wife, I have my kid. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just need my, to race. I just need my bike and my fucking <laughs> my bike, my helmet, my boots and my gear. That's pretty much all I need. The rest I'll figure it out. I mean, dude, I've borrowed I've you know, if we all forget money or sprockets or, you know, I always forget an air gauge. Like I never bring a fucking air gauge. So I always forget a lot, but then I'm like, all right, well, I got like the important shit. I'll just borrow everything know. else. But, um, Man, we had so many questions, these tech questions that yeah. people have reached out. We will do though a lot of those on the next pod. I have a couple questions here that fans reached out. We're going to do a couple of those quick. 
I want to shout out Bell Power Sports for supporting the podcast. Check out bellhelmets.com to check out check out all their helmets, full face, moto. They have a great lineup of helmets for youth, kids, uh, adults. Just look, do your research on on your helmets when you're buying helmets. Look up the, the crash ratings, safety ratings are all available online, and Bell is at the top of the list. So do your research and and buy buy what you feel comfortable with. We are. I wear Bell. I put my 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 uh my son in Bell. Um, Evan wears Bell. We all wear Bell. We're Bell. So, um, if you start tank slab and you want to be protected by Bell, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website, yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle ATV side by side snowmobile and power products and Indian motorcycles since 1901. Indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Solid lineup of motorcycles. They just won the American flat track title with Jared Meese, and they just won the super hooligan title with Tyler O'Hara, man, the man, Tyler, he's, he's a, he's a crazy rider. Did you see the hooligan crash with Jeremy McWilliams and O'Hara? I did actually. Yeah, that was nuts. That was a big one for, that that was a big job. Yeah, I, I don't know how old Mick Williams is. He's got to be close to 60 or here he is. But yeah, that was a big crash for for Jeremy. And yeah, he's that guy's a machine too. So shout out to Indian Motorcycle for for supporting us. So I had a couple questions, man. Um, I saw something online about get your thoughts on it, and I'll give my input, but racing after sprint cars. So the idea is we should what I saw online is we should always run sprint cars on like a Friday night and then come in because quote unquote, they make a, a really wide groove and we race on Saturday. What are your thoughts, Eric, on that first? And then I'll chime in. So I would say I would have to actually kind of go out here where we race. Like my track is kind of a cushion and we have some uh, other tracks that are a little bit odd and when we you know especially like in the indoor um the 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 day before let's just focus on the indoor because that i would say that's the closest like the day before or the morning before the the flat track bikes are out here they have carts and sprint cars and you know i grew up racing quarter midgets they have quarter midgets um and i have to say that it does help um on you know the the limited you know size track that we have on the indoor it it the grooves there it's smooth it's tacky um and the races that they're not there before there's a noticeable difference um what track is this i personally what what track uh salem indoor salem indoor you're talking about like a go-kart right or what yeah but they'll also have some uh smaller uh uh sprint cars out there and then especially like i said the quarter midgets i don't know if you're familiar with those or not but they will lay down some rubber and come on bro uh, i grew up in a car racing family okay. yeah so you get it you get it all right well that's what i grew up with until all I right crashed and my mom stopped me from doing it but i i agree i like it i i don't know what i would be interested to see what the process yeah i don't like it um all the racetracks okay. that i've ridden with cars they make the groove it's a different rubber than what we have as bikes and from my experiences at like savannah uh different racetracks like grandview we test that quite a bit after cars i feel like cars yes the groove is wider but it's not an indicator that the track is better because there's a wider groove um i always felt like the groove from a car was slick 
I, I don't know, like a lot of these cars, they can put chemicals on their tires and they uh, race cars. They really dry the track out and they make it kind of rough. I've never rode on a track where it's been good after cars. And I'm talking half miles, maybe, okay, yeah. maybe something like a, a go-kart at um, like, I guess it depends on the surface a little bit, but from my experiences, yeah, it's, it makes the groove wider, but you know, it goes back to the, on a bigger track that they're, you know, picking up speed. They're definitely more abrasive on the track and it kind of eating them up, but yeah, it's out on the shorter tracks. So I definitely am a fan of, uh, you know, they're not, they're not putting down as much. Uh, well, it goes back to uh, where I've, I've, uh, I've ranted about everyone, you know, I do <laughs> races and, and they're like, put, put the cones out, make the groove wider. It's like, no, fuck that. That doesn't work ever. Like it makes the groove wider. You do it for, say you have two practices at a local race and they want to put the cones out the second practice. All right. So you go out, you're dodging these fucking cones and you're not, the groove is, it's kind of a half-ass groove because you're only doing it for one session. It doesn't really get abrasive. It starts to starts to get rubber, but it's kind of like a half-ass rubber where I always thought it was better to kind of let it groove up naturally on the bottom, get dark, get abrasive, and water above the above the groove so you can kind of float above the groove. Um, growing up, we raced at Sturgis. There was the Jack Pine Gypsies short track. Uh, right off the highway there. I, I, I don't know. You know, probably know what I'm talking about, but yep. it, it would groove up. And then at nighttime, they would mist above the groove and you could like scoot above the groove and, and really get it on like in the dirt that wasn't used up. And one year they tried to make the quote unquote groove wider and it just took away from above the groove. Then like when they watered it, there wasn't any dirt to kind of soak in the water and it just sucked. So yeah, that's that's just a common thing that everyone's, you know, they swear by making the groove wider with cones. And I just don't, I don't buy it. Uh, I don't think it works unless, for instance, like Volusia, when they move us up the second day with the white line, the dirt is just better higher on that racetrack. The dirt on the bottom is just kind of, it's not as good. It's rough. It's janky where the dirt, when they move us higher, it's just better dirt. So if the dirt's better up there, then yeah, that's, that's a different story, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. The everyone, they always want to bring cars in and I'm just not a big believer in that. I'm sure people will disagree with me and that's fine, but I, uh, yeah, it's a common <laughs> misconception sort of thing. Um, somebody commented on our Spotify and they said, I don't know what's going on with you and Rob, but I like him on the show. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of personality. I just wanted to say that fuck Rob. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Robbie's like my older brother. I never wanted, uh, there's nothing going on with Rob not being <laughs> on the show. It's just, he is a clusterfuck and getting him on the pod. It was a full-time job and Eric, you do a really good job and Thank I love you. having you on the show, but we do, we, we like Rob. We'll bring yeah, him on no, as a definitely. guest. Yeah. One of the days we'll have a uh, a triumph specific podcast. We'll have Rob on, Julian on, we'll get Brandon on. We'll just talk about nothing but how awesome that that manufacturer is at making motorcycles. Yeah, Shana did really good on that bike too, actually. So we'll bring her on. Uh she actually didn't, dude. She actually made the main on that heavy piece of shit. No, sorry, guys. I know it wasn't, I mean, it eh, it wasn't great, but yeah, she made the main at Lima and the mega mile on that bike um 
she actually won the semi at Lima on that twin with a stat. I mean, it was 50 riders that day. It was hard. Yeah. And she actually rode that well, bike those, decent. So those motors are heavy. Like I, you know, granted it's in the hooligan world, but like I have done everything possible to like get weight off the bike short of just making a total loss ignition. And it's still 370, like right there on the money. Like if you did what I've done on a lot of like the KTMs or anything else, they'd be so underweight. It's just that the engine for the Triumph Twins is just a fucking paperweight. It's yeah. big. I didn't, I don't really care. I didn't ask. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, last question, man. Uh, thoughts on the track choices from this season? Seems like they are getting away from Michael Locke vision of having races near large population centers and trying to race at better, more racer-friendly tracks. I am going to give it a, a closer, but not quite there. Um, I'm going to shock the world, but there are definitely some added benefits to having races at uh, bigger metropolitan areas. I mean, you look at like the attendance for West Virginia. Uh, I know the racers loved it, but who the fuck was there and who watched it? Um, uh, that being said, I, I, still bang my head against the wall with AFTs. Uh, at this point, it has to be legal obligations to like race anywhere near a fucking NASCAR track. Um, but if we do another one of those damn in a parking lot, I swear of NASCAR races, I'm going to lose my mind because it doesn't automatically equal success. Um, but yeah, so I think we're making right, might the right steps, um, venturing out and going to places that might be a little bit uh, more in line with what it means to be a flat track fan, but um, still have some strides to be made. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm on the fence. Like, I don't think it's profitable or good to have races at venues that are just in the middle of nowhere. I get we yeah. are we are more blue collar and grassroots than mm -hmm. NASCAR or F1 or MotoGP, but I feel like we still need to be in areas that have restaurants and hotels and you know, <laughs> like the coin. I go back to the coin. Sorry, guys, I want to get fucking memed, but I Sorry. go to the coin and there's just there's two hotels within 20 minutes. There's an abundance of methamphetamines. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then just there's there's not there's not a lot of restaurant. I mean, it's just not the same as it was in the 80s or 90s where fans are camping out and they're just yeah. not prepared for that anymore where I just like having races near within 30 minutes of a pretty big city and airport uh where people can fly in. It's not an hour and a half drive to the track. It's something that makes sense. But I also don't think you need to be you don't need to be right in town. Uh, you don't need to be in the middle of a city. Um, what do you think of Castle Rock? It's kind of in between Portland and Seattle. It has history, but it's also in a town of like 2,500 people, right? So what, what do you think? I don't love it. I, there's not yeah. enough hotel options there. Like when I stayed at Castle Rock, I'm pretty sure my hotel was in was in uh, Oregon. I was in a different yeah. state. So... I think there needs to be viable hotel options within 15 minutes. I mean, I'll, I'll drive like a half hour if I have to, but it's not, it's not the best. I mean, it's not the best decision. I mean, I'm looking at like the coin, like Lima is about the small, yeah. like that's about as 
non-populated as I I would promote a race. I think that is doable. Lima, obviously, they they do it. They pack it. They're you know the fans. There's decent hotels there. Food options or whatever. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm in the middle. Like I don't think you you need to be full on Michael Locke's vision of what he was trying to do. But I also don't think we can just go to some random fucking city that is, or not even a city, a little town that has a good racetrack. Like Nice's, there was a really good racetrack in Nice's, South Carolina. It was called Mid Carolina. No, is it Mid Carolina? I've heard they called it. it. Might be Mid Carolina Speedway. I know Nice's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice's, South Carolina, beautiful racetrack, like one of the best in the country. But there was nothing nearby, and. I, I, as a promoter, I'm not going to promote a race if it doesn't, if I, we're not near more shit. So it's yeah. just, how do you take, how question. do you go to like brands and, you know, sponsorships and sell that as a, as a racer? Like, you know, you got to think like, I'm a, I am a brand, I am a commercial entity. Like, how the hell do you sell that? Like going to some racetrack in the middle of nowhere, like, okay, sorry. I know like Kansas City's close to Odessa, but uh what's around odessa you know it's it's hard yeah well for me it just when i was younger i didn't give a shit dude like i just i didn't care i just i wanted i wanted the race i'll go anywhere there's a good track uh as i got as i've gotten older i appreciate a good restaurant or somewhere to get coffee in the morning i mean i probably sound like a bitch but i'm just saying like i yeah it's it makes the it makes the drive the 20 hour drive there more pleasant when you know that there's something to look forward to when you leave the track or whatever. Um, and that's just, we got to look at that from a fan standpoint. I mean, yes, they want to go watch the racing that's first and foremost, but while they're in town, is there a good place for them to get dinner? Is there uh something to do Friday night or Sunday when they're not at the track? Um, where I think, you know, rapid city, that that's a really cool destination to go race. Uh, Daytona bike week is, you know, that's, you don't need to describe that and places that have real, like when we went up to New York, we had those races up in, I was like rolling wheels raceway. It was beautiful up there. I mean, Castle Rock's pretty, it's, it's cool to go to Castle Rock just because it's a pretty, you know, it's cool part of the country, but I don't know, man. Yeah. As a promoter, I guess I'm, I'm in between, like, I'm not going to go somewhere that's desolate, but I'm, I don't need to be, you know, in the middle of New York city, (laughs) whatever. So yeah, that's a good question. Do we had a lot of them? Like I have three pages of, of questions from these fans. Um, tech talk related questions. I'm trying to find the, uh, like I'll run a few and then we're not going to go over them, but helmets, people want to know about helmets, DOT versus Snell and AMA requirements. And, Tire pressures. Is it important? Why do amateurs think it's so important? Any new equipment being developed? I heard a Honda 800 CC bike is being built rider mechanic team contracts and pay structures. How is that production versus race only rules? CC side is everyone on the same brand really a bad thing. I would like to know what kind of suspension changes you make during race day. Why? Is it better to be able to choose any tire or fuel you want to run? What, you know, the difference between spec tire and non-spec, oh, yeah. what do you prefer? Uh, looking here, dude, I have, I have a bunch. Where the fuck are all my things at? 
What's more important in a racer development, staying at home and racing your local tracks or traveling to something new? Just a few examples of, uh, I mean, I, those were, I was fired up. I got, that was about half a page, dude. That was, yeah, yeah, that was about half a page. We have three pages full of, uh, questions. So definitely appreciate all the fans that, that participated in that. That was super rad trail numbers and rim width. What's, you know, different size width rims. Uh, When money gets tight, what are the first things you skimp out on as a racer? good uh, suspension <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, that was a funny question for me because yeah basically just dinner <laughs> that night <laughs> I mean, uh, i'm on a diet all of a sudden yeah chassis setup offsets wheelbase sponsorship topics i had a couple sponsorship questions bring back claiming rule what are your thoughts on claiming rule etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyway we got a lot of good ones we'll cover in the next next episode if you've listened to this one you've heard what we just kind of teased on if you have any other ones you want us to cover reach out and we'll we'll cover them but that's probably what we'll do on the next podcast and we will get some more of these interview interview pods going we have some really good guests that are willing to come on so appreciate that want to give a shout out to jerry stinchfield roof systems of dallas texas for being our day one sponsor keeping this pod going commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience shout out jerry man we appreciate you that's a wrap man subscribe soundcloud itunes spotify anything else on you your end dude you want to chat about or no sir no so long good we fucked around for two hours doing this one so appreciate everybody for coming on appreciate tyler scott for taking the time coming on as well it's a wrap till the next one we out